Hey guys, welcome to Fiction Fixation. We're your hosts. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. This week, we're talking about a novel by Tara Civic called Seduction and Snacks. Girl, this book made me laugh out loud so many times. Like, it's really hard for a book to make me laugh out loud, but I was cackling. When I read it, I made the mistake of starting it in a public place. (laughs) And I got right to the Arby's roast beef. And I was like, nope, can't do it. Can't do it. We're not going to sit here and tell the jokes that are in this book. You got to go read the book. Like, you just got to read it. We could not do them the poetic justice that they deserve if we were to rehash them. So just so you know, if you do choose to go and read the book, there are a lot of funny one-liners and jokes that we are purposely omitting. So you can get the full experience because we want that for you. You deserve that. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a story and then there's the experience of the story. Yes. And we're going over the story, the experience is a whole other thing like you got to read it to get the experience just the jokes are they're they're coming at you fast man. the internal monologues are really something the way claire thinks is it astounds and fascinates me yeah like how many times a day do you think that you say the word vagina or think about the word vagina You know, I don't know. I feel like I say the word penis a lot more than I say the word vagina because I do have four boys. Get your penis off of that. Put your penis away. Don't do that with your penis. Um, We don't draw penises on the window and dry erase marker. Um, (laughs) We don't draw penises on our brother's pillows. You know, like just the standard (laughs) stuff, you know? No, I, I agree with you. It's just funny because I don't think I say the word vagina more than maybe like twice a month. And Claire says it 15 times a minute. Like Claire says vagina so many times. She does say or think vagina a lot. And I think it might just be something that she's like, she's very concerned about her vagina. She starts off with a very strong monologue and she's telling us that she does not want kids. She does not want kids. So she, in school, I forgot which grade she sh- she said she was in. It was elementary school, I think. Was it? Anyways, they watched a video of like childbirth and she was like, fuck to the no. What kind of school would show kids a live birth video? A video of a murder would be less graphic than that, you know, less traumatizing. I I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what kind of school she went to. Had to had to be public school. Obviously. <laughs> we went to public school more fine. As evidenced by our therapists and psychiatric <laughs> medication. <laughs> The Lexapro would beg to fucking differ. (laughs) But after she saw that video, it really did. It traumatized her. And she was like, I'm never having children. She actually introduces herself like, hi, I'm Claire and I'm never having kids. Like not wanting children is a valid life path, you know? And I respect that. You know, I used to not understand when people would say that they didn't want kids. But after having kids... I love my kids, but I respect people that know that they don't want them because kids are no joke. They are no joke and there's no going back. And so I think if you have an inkling that you don't want them, don't have them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, life doesn't always go according to plan. Oh, girl. Things did not go the way Claire planned for them to go. You know, I think this is really the story of a lot of girls you know i think that a lot of people have been in this position where they're at a party they're drinking they meet a cute guy one thing leads to another yeah and then wham bam thank you ma'am yeah you know 
She was obsessed with... So the guy that she lost her virginity to at a frat party when she was in college, she describes him as gorgeous. Like, she was, like, obsessed with how beautiful and good-looking this guy was. I, But I also... I really appreciate how honest Claire was about the... Yeah. (laughs) She's like, anybody who tells you that you have anything close to an orgasm on your first time, it's fucking lying. Yeah. It was a huge letdown, which I think is a, a, a rite of passage. For most women. <laughs> 100%. But in the morning, she wakes up and she's all cuddled against this dude whose name she still doesn't know. Yeah. I think she's just kind of, I don't know if she's embarrassed or just like afraid, but she gets her shit. She dips first thing in the morning. Never gets his name. She doesn't think it's relevant. And oh boy, a couple weeks later, it becomes very relevant. Yeah, a few <laughs> weeks later, it's very relevant when she sees those two pink lines and she's like, son of a bitch. Son of a broken condom. Yes. She had sex for the very first time. And then what happened to her? Exactly what they warn you in Catholic school. They say, you have sex and you're going to get pregnant and die. And all those things happened to her. I mean, she didn't die, but she will eventually. So they're right about that. Like, that's coming. <laughs> but she got, she got, she got pregnant. You know, a few weeks later, she goes back to look for him and she cannot find him anywhere. I don't think it's that surprising that there could be a random guy at a frat party because I'm pretty sure these guys invite their random friends all the time. Oh, yeah, for sure. And she was lucky enough to pick the one random guy that no one could get a hold of or knew. She probably wasn't describing him very well. Um, Because she was drunk. She's going around trying to figure out who this guy is. And she was so drunk that she probably... She's trying to describe him in terms that the guys who might know who he is can't recognize because she would be describing him with the female gaze. He has a nice jaw. His favorite movie is The Heathers. And dudes are like, <laughs> I, what? I don't fucking know who that is. She's like, he's got these really strong looking hands, you know, like he could really grab you with them. And guys are like, what? And it's like, hear me out. This is female gaze, right? It's the hands. It's the eyes, the jawline, the ticking of the jaw, you know? Mm-hmm. So she's describing it with the female gaze. That torso V at yeah. the waistline. Yeah. You, you have to know who he is. He's he's a guy that was here. And he's got that torso V, you know what I'm talking about? And they're like, we know. No, we don't. This is a frat house. We <laughs> all have the... Tr- they probably all look the same, you know? They're probably all like fresh-faced white boys and they probably all look very similar. No, that's probably right. They are probably all like fresh-faced white boys with aviators. They were probably all wearing like polo shirts, aviators, khaki pants. They all have like their hair like messy, like gel messy, that perfectly curated hairstyle. No, definitely. That woke up like this. Yeah. So fast forward to the present and Claire is a single mom to the cutest four-year-old boy. Her son's name is Gavin, and Gavin is living his best life, and he doesn't care that he doesn't have a dad because it's okay. Like, single moms are holding it down. They don't need no goddamn man. This is just his life, and, you know, it's how he knows it. So I'm not sure that at this point in his life, the lack of, like, a male parental figure is, like, consequential to him. Claire mentions Chicken Noodle Soup for the Soul. Do you remember those books? I think I had one. It was Chicken Noodle Soup for the Teenage Soul. 
um, and I never read it. It just sat on my bookshelf. You never read it, so you can't relate? I never read it because I can't relate. The Chicken Noodle Soup for the Soul series, there were these books that were basically just a collection of the most soul-crushing heartbreaking stories that you could ever find and they were like targeted for teenagers and and preteens and when i tell you that these books fucked up our generation like these these books fucked us up dude these books are probably the reason that we handled 9-11 so well because by the time that happened we were like you know what they we've been spoon-fed tragedy for the past like five years we got this we know how to handle this that sounds fucking horrible. Like, why would we want those? And why are they targeting preteens and teenagers? Because preteens and teenagers eat that shit up. They were like my true crime at the time. I think they served the um chicken noodle soup for the soul books served the same purpose that true crime podcasts serve for me now, which is like just just a big spoonful of like life is scary. Be careful. Don't trust anyone. And tragedy could strike at any moment. Like that anxiety <laughs> was fe- was fed to me. <laughs> like like thank you so much. I I should I should write the authors of that book and be like thank you. Here's my therapy bill. So Claire's ambition in life is like when she's a grown up, she wants to be a baker. She wants to own her own bakery. And Liz, her best friend, sort of bamboozles her into a business partnership because Liz has her own ambition in life and it's to sell sex toys. Yeah. And she starts off with like home parties that she goes to people's houses. It's a Tupperware party except for dildos. Yeah. And so Liz convinces Claire to kind of take on this side gig selling sex toys at home. There's an MLM that does that, right? Pure romance? Pure romance. There's an MLM that they would have these house parties. I mean, I guess they still do. It's still around, right? They have these house parties and they sell sex toys. And on one hand, I'm like, yes, let's demystify the female orgasm. Let's talk more about sex. You know, like this is sex positive. Like, good. Yeah. 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 And another part of me is like, do I really want to sit in my neighbor's house (laughs) eating cheese and crackers while she holds up a dildo and explains the five settings? Like, have you ever been to a pure romance party? I've never been to one. So I've been to two. It just seems like unless you're close like I would understand if you're super close with the people but I think the goal with the MLM is to have a bunch of random people there I think that is absolutely the goal and it's funny because when they have like the vibrators and stuff you know the fancy ones with like the beads and the you know the diesel powered ones (laughs) with the turbo engines yeah the one you have to upgrade your electrical panel for (laughs) they it takes more power than my hot tub so they turn it on and they said that you're supposed to like hold it like like you're giving it a handshake okay that's the terminology they use hold it like a gentle handshake Uh but yeah so liz she bamboozles claire into hosting some of these toy parties yeah she gets with claire and is like I bought us a business. I bought us a whole ass storefront. Yeah. And Claire is like, I can't, I can't take this from you, even though it's my dream. 
And Liz is like, no, 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 no. I, I thought it all out. It's perfect. It's two storefronts that connect. And you're going to sell sweets on one side and I'm going to sell sex toys on the other. You know, it's it goes together like chocolate dildos like to get that's the same thing. Like Liz has a business plan with a Venn diagram that says there are two circles, people who want chocolate and people who are horny. And those two circles, they overlap entirely. They're one circle. Yeah. And she's like, the way this is going to work is, you know, people will book sex toy parties and then they're going to need appetizers and hors d'oeuvres and stuff. And they're going to go to you and they're going to get some cookies and some chocolates and some brownies and stuff like that. And it's going to work fine. It's the weirdest goddamn thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, after a lot of convincing, Claire agrees to kind of go forward with it. She talks to her dad about it because, you know, her dad is like her sole parental support person yeah. at this point. He um, explains to her that he kept setting aside money Aww. for her college. Like when he was he was paying for her college and stuff like that. And then when she dropped out, he said that he never stopped setting aside that money. I think that with that money, Claire felt a lot more comfortable sort of accepting that Liz is going to be taking on the main burden of the business costs, of the startup costs, because Claire was able to contribute something. So Claire has this on the horizon. She's eventually, her and Liz are eventually going to open the store. But in the meanwhile, she is selling the sex toys through the home parties. Uh And also, she also works at a bar. So Claire is quite literally... A single mom who works three jobs, who loves her kids and never stops. (laughs) Like, that's her. So Claire is a bartender, and she's at work one night. This dude comes in with his friend, and Claire recognizes him. She recognizes the eyes. She was like, wait a minute, I know those eyes. They're my son's eyes. Well, I was going to say they were hovering over me in a misty cloud of alcohol four years ago. <laughs> but yeah, also, they're my son's eyes. <laughs> yeah, so she um, she recognizes Jude at the bar. I think she does what we would all do, and she just throws drinks and hides. She flips out. Because remember, she has been raising this kid by herself for four and a half years. She ne- she gave up on trying to find this guy. Yeah. She tried to find him. When she decided to keep the baby, she tried to find him. She could not find him. She was just like, well, he's gone. There's nothing I can do. And she had zero guilt about him not knowing because she tried. And now he just walks into her bar like a freaking joke. Your baby daddy walks into a bar. And sounds at the beginning of a joke. What's the punchline? (laughs) Her baby daddy walks in a bar and she freaks the fuck out. She is just like, nope, not today, Satan. And Liz, (laughs) who is there, kind of notices something's not right. And she goes over and she's like, hey, girl, hey, like just saw you eat shit with a tray full of drinks. What's going on? (laughs) And she's like, Liz, that's him. That's him. Oh, my gosh. Liz looks over and she's like, are you sure? And Claire's like, trust me, I'm sure. And then Liz sees his friend. Liz recognizes the guy with baby daddy because that night that Claire got pregnant, uh, Liz was being a good wingman and she was entertaining the friend. Yeah. Who obviously... Isn't it cute that both of them, both both of them are still friends with their college best friends? That is really cute. Like the guy is and also Claire is. So yeah, girl, moment of truth. 
Here's the thing. We get the guy's perspective. Yes. The guy, his name is Carter, and Carter has just moved here, right? He's just moved to this town. Yeah, he just moved to this town. He lived in the city that the college was in. Oh, yeah. And worked at, like, a car factory. He still works there. Well, he got transferred to a different factory in this town, and that's why he's in this bar now, because he he just moved there. He just moved to town. Girl, Carter still remembers the night in college where he had this random hookup with a girl, and he remembers it because he says she smelled like chocolate. And from the moment that he experienced that night with her, he could not stop thinking about the smell of chocolate, and he has been on the hunt for the past four and a half years to find this girl, or at least at the bare minimum, figure out what was that intoxicating smell that was like chocolate. Yeah, his buddy gives him a whole bunch of shit because he's like, do you have any Bath and Body Works? I followed you in to see if you could find this <laughs> chocolate lotion. Oh, Carter, honey, that's mental illness, sweetie. That's not normal. That's not normal. <laughs> he's so obsessed. But the worst part is that the scent is kind of the main thing that he remembers. He doesn't really remember her face. Yeah. And so when he, when he walks into that bar and Claire is right there, like, He has been actually looking for this girl and he doesn't even know that it's her because he doesn't remember her face. So he just sees this pretty bartender that just ducked behind the bar. Yeah. And he gets a whiff of chocolate. He's like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. Like he so he starts thinking of that memory. Yeah. And he he doesn't really put two and two together that it's that girl. He just thinks because he's used to this at this point. Every time he smells chocolate, he thinks of that memory. So it's not like, an, a, I mean, I would say it's kind of not a super common sense to just randomly catch a whiff of chocolate. He's super attuned to it, you know? We get his thoughts and in his thoughts, he kind of talks about how he hasn't really been, he hasn't really been okay since that encounter and how obsessed he's been by the smell of chocolate ever since. And I'm just like, he's kind of a pure soul. Like he had this hookup and he can't stop thinking about it. Like, he's like this rare, beautiful species of a guy who just wants a relationship with his one night stand who he, he can't find. Well, <laughs> like, we need to ho- we need to hold hands and just circle this man and keep him safe. He's like our Ed Sheridan, you know? Well, I mean, it's he is also going through a breakup at this point. Yeah. Him and his ex just broke up. And I think he started dating this girl like right after the one night stand, like not too long after. Right. Is when he started dating this other like mm-hmm. chick. So he is not having a good time. He's in the middle of a breakup right now. He gets that whiff of chocolate. He's all nostalgic. <laughs> you know, he just. He's in his feels. He's in his feels. He's in his feels. Yeah. Which I think we can all appreciate, you know, being in our feels. Sure. I mean, I I just, like I said, I think we need to hold hands and form a circle around this man and protect him because he's too pure for this world is all I'm saying. (laughs) Too pure. He's the kind of guy you just want to like hold his face against your chest just in a a completely non-sexual way. You just want to you just want to hold his face to your chest. I, I I've never felt that way. You've never felt that way. I feel that way at least three times a day when I'm out and about. I'm just like you. You, sir, standing by the bananas. You look like you need a hug. (laughs) No, I, you know, like you could tell when somebody's getting ready to talk to you because you guys will make that kind of eye contact and they'll be like, let's go say something, you know, and they'll kind of like take a step towards you. If I make accidental eye contact with a stranger and then they take a step towards me, I will leave the store. (laughs) You 
would just just, just forget what you're just buying. Leave. Just leave. yeah, just leave. Family, we're not eating tonight. Someone looked at me at the store, and I had to leave. This poor guy Carter just. He was just walked into a random bar after a long day of, of, of his new job. He's just minding his own business. He has no idea. He just walked into the bar where his baby mama works. And he has a whole ass four and a half year old that he has no idea about. Yeah, he has no idea. And of course, Claire panics. If you had to find out that you had a child that you knew nothing about, don't you think four years old is like the worst possible age to meet your child for the first time? Oh, for sure. Four-year-olds are they're Ruthless. the worst. They're the worst. Like if your four-year-old doesn't act like a sociopath sometimes, you should be worried because... They're narcissists. <laughs> little terrorists. They're little emotional, psychological terrorists. Because you know what? By the time your kid turns four, you love them already. And you have to put up with their ruthlessness, right? Like they're assholes at that age. But but you love them. There's an established relationship. But if you just met your kid at four years old, you'd be like, nope. You can fuck right off, little boy. You can fuck right off. Babies are so cute because it's nature's way of preserving them. Of course. They have to be cute so their mommies don't like punt them off a window. Every once in a while, there's an ugly baby that inexplicably survives into adulthood. <laughs> I don't I don't understand how or why. <laughs> it's like science needs to get on, on explaining that phenomenon. That baby gives off a toxin like cats that make you love them. <laughs> Thank you for coming to our science TED Talk. So, yeah, he, he has no idea that he just stumbled into the den of baby mama. Mm-hmm. However, he does get that reminiscence chocolate smell and he tells Drew and Drew, Drew is like, dude, quipping such a little bitch about this chocolate yeah. girl. Claire um, is hosting. It's the next night. She's hosting a sex toy party for Liz and Claire is just so uncomfortable with this whole situation. Well, because she's practically a virgin. She had sex one time. Maybe she says one and a half. She says she had one and a half times. So she goes to the sex party and she tells the women that because she gets flustered. Yeah, right? she does. And then they talk about, you know, like, what toys do you have, Claire? And she's like, I don't. I don't. And they're like, let's fix that. Oh, my God. They buy her an entire suitcase of toys. And she's so embarrassed. They're like, you need this one. It's solar powered. <laughs> and this one is has a turbo engine. <laughs> this one has like a two hand crank. <laughs> this one you hold. This one you hold with your feet. <laughs> it's an exercise in an orgasm. It's an exorgasm. This one. This one you attach to your Peloton. <laughs> um, this one has Wi-Fi. <laughs> this one has Wi-Fi connectivity. <laughs> they buy her an entire suitcase. Yes. And so Claire is just mortified. Mortified. Yeah. And she's going over to Liz's house for dinner afterwards. She walks into Liz's house and yeah. she just starts blabbing, blabbing, blabbing about what happened at this party. Diarrhea of the mouth, which is very clear. She just starts walking in there and she's talking about how all these people just bought her a suitcase full of dildos and vibrators. And (laughs) she's like, oh my God, Liz, like this is... She's like, Liz, I'm so embarrassed. I went, I tried to sell the six toys and, you know, they were asking for my experience and I had to admit I've only had sex one and a half times. And they bought me a bucket full of dildos. I have a bucket full of dildos. A suitcase full of dildos. Yes. Um, what poor Claire does not realize is that Carter and Drew 
they work with Liz's fiance and he invited them over for dinner. And Jim knows very well who Carter is because Liz told him. So Jim is the best friend's fiance. Yes. And he knows all the tea. He's gotten all the tea on the baby daddy. So he was super slick. He was super slick, yeah. He realized that he works with the baby daddy. and He's like, I need to get all the tea. So he invites baby daddy to dinner, n- knowing full well that Claire is also coming to that dinner. He set her up. That was shady. So Jim was just like, I was bored, so I ruined lunch. <laughs> and I do it again. I chose chaos. <laughs> Jim chose chaos and invited Carter and Drew over for dinner. And then Claire just rehashed the events of this toy party. Yeah. And Carter and Drew heard all of it. Yeah. And Jim does try to make it right by just giving her shots of vodka. Like, here you go. Alcohol should definitely make this better. It's going to smooth away the the mortification. Yeah, 100%. Claire and Carter are kind of talking. They're making eyes. Because Carter is attracted to her. He he doesn't remember her as the one-night stand girl, but he's like, this girl is hot. Like, he's into her. They're flirting at dinner. Claire is freaking out. I think she's freaking out more now because she's realizing like, oh, it wasn't just this one time thing of him walking into the bar where I work. Like now he's friends with my best friend's fiance. And so I'm going to see this guy. Yeah. And she's kind of realizing that she's going to have to tell him eventually, like he's not going away. He's going to be around. And I think on one hand, she feels really guilty that he doesn't know. But like, girl, she did what she could, you know? Yeah, I don't think we can blame her. She tried to find him, and then we can't blame him because he didn't know, you know? Yeah, Um. you know, right after dinner, she's like, hey, like, I gotta go, you know? Like, she has to go get Gavin, but she doesn't want to tell, she doesn't want to say that out loud, because then mm-hmm. Carter's going to be like, who is Gavin? She's awkwardly trying to leave the dinner using an excuse without having to mention the fact that she has to go get her son. Because even though he wouldn't know, like she could say I have a son and he would have no idea it's it's his. But she feels guilty even bringing up her son around him. And I think she's kind of afraid that like he's going to remember and be like, my child yeah um yeah and so he's like hey i'll walk you out and which is really cute and he walks her out and he gets her number so they're out there by her car she's getting ready to leave and they're still kind of talking and he's so sweet he really likes her and it's a little heartbreaking i know that he doesn't know that he's so he has this innocent outlook on like meeting this new girl in a new town and Dude, he cannot see the baggage he's about to, he's like getting himself into. You know what I mean? Like there's so much baggage and he can't see it. I mean, RIP to Carter's sanity because it's getting ready to. Yeah. So she quotes a movie. I've never seen it. I haven't either. Heathers. No, I haven't either. So she, she quotes a movie and he kind of hesitates because it kind of triggers a little bit of a memory because the girl from the one night stand one thing that he remembers is that she also really liked that movie. Uh, but he kind of brushes that away because he's used to those intrusive thoughts of the chocolate girl coming into his head. And he doesn't at all think that this girl could be that girl. Yeah, I mean, like, how how crazy would that be? Yeah, what are the odds? <laughs> well, Carter, there's the, the odds are going to get crazier. I hate to tell you this, bestie, but... Bestie, I'm scared to tell you this. 
<laughs> you got a baby. You got a whole ass. It's not even a baby at this point. You have point. a whole ass toddler. It's a whole ass toddler. So her and Carter kind of start up a little flirty, you know, a little flirty back and forth. They're texting each other. Yeah. You know, they're talking on the phone. Um, They work opposite shifts. So he works at night. And so he stays awake in the morning when he gets home from work just so he can text Claire to talk to her or call Claire and talk to her. And I think it's fucking adorable. It is. So she says that. You know, they talk on the phone every night and she says like 15 minutes. And I'm like, I can't believe they cap it at 15 minutes. Because do you remember when you first start talking to your crush? Yes. You can talk for hours. Yes. Like you are literally like you pull up that suitcase and you just start unpacking everything. Yeah, for sure. And I think he's talking to her on his breaks at work. So he may only have 15 minutes to talk. Well, that it's good that they have those restrictions because Claire is actively lying to him at this point. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. A lie by omission is still a lie. You're lying to it him. It for sure is. And so her and Carter have their little romance going on. And he shows up at the bakery. Yeah. He goes in, talks to Claire. You know, they're being flirty and, you know, they're... They're kissing. He he smells her and he smells the chocolate and he realizes like, oh, my God, it's you. And she's like, you know who I am? And he's like, I have not stopped like thinking about you since that night. And she's so like excited. And it's this cute moment. And then the cock block runs in. The cock Her four-year-old son. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. So then her dad and Gavin walk in. The four-year-old punches carter in the balls and i'm like listen i'm worried about this kid at this point like we haven't talked a lot about gavin but this four-year-old is um he's sharp as a tack but he's also very threatening he curses like a sailor and he's a little violent if we're honest i would be terrified of gavin if i met him in a dark alley (laughs) yeah he's four and a half years old and he will kick your ass he ain't fucking scared yeah, so Gavin Gavin punches Carter right in the balls. Yeah. Can you imagine a four-year-old punching you in the balls? Like, how does your leg not twitch and you not kick him across the room? Like, <laughs> just like an instinct, you know? I don't know. Have your kids ever punched your husband in the balls? Yeah, they have actually by mistake. But yeah, they've like jumped on him and just like gotten him by mistake. Yeah. yeah. My kids like ran into Frank, just like give daddy a hug and like just like their whole yeah. face just smashes into his balls and he's like no daddy needs to leave it's worse than a punch because it's like they're giant skulls yeah just crashing against the balls uh, the skull is the hardest part of the body it's <laughs> you know what i never got was the expression like grow some balls with the implication that balls are these symbols of strength when really we cannot think of a body part that is weaker than a pair of balls you ever heard the quote by Betty White where she's like, instead of saying grow some balls, say grow a vagina. Those, they can really take a pounding. Vaginas are not sensitive little creatures like balls. No, balls are. So fuck off. I mean, how do we change everything in that context? Like, quit being a pussy ass bitch. But that's the thing, right? It's like the slang for vagina is pussy, which is synonymous for weak. And it's like, excuse me. 
How is that? Let's line up vaginas and let's line up balls and let's start punching them and see which one starts crying first. Because I guarantee you... That first guy, the first guy is just going to be like... "Ah." The the first guy, you will punch 20 vaginas. And when you get to the first pair of balls, that's the guy that's going to start sobbing hysterically. Yeah. Weak. Men are weak. (laughs) You and your balls are weak. Get your weak ass balls out of here. This is like a big moment of reckoning for Carter because he now knows that Claire is a chocolate college girl. And then he sees this child with his eyes. Carter looks at Gavin and says, how old are you? And he's like four and a half. And then Carter does the math and he's like, whoa. It hits him like a a ton of bricks that he has a kid. And like, like an idiot, he's like... I wore a condom and I can't change diapers. And I'm like, you idiot. He's four years old. He's not wearing a diaper. Calm down. Well, and honestly, like, you know what? It's not that hard. Even if he was still in diapers, like, bro, learn. Like, diapers are not that hard. No. Your biggest, their biggest concern should be that you're meeting your kid at the age of sociopath behavior. (laughs) What's the hardest part, do you think, of having babies other than the no sleep? It's the mental load that it's 24-7. That's the hardest part. Yeah. No, I mean, like, you know, changing diapers is not the hard part. It's the trying to relearn to do everything with one hand. You can't just wake up and make breakfast. You're waking up, you're tripping over toilets, you're stepping on Legos, people are screaming. There's like a thousand roadblocks. So it's like suddenly you go from, you're doing the same Mm -hmm. tasks you were doing before kids, but there's all these little roadblocks all around. There's more noise, there's more crying, there's more nagging, there's just like simple tasks are harder. There's somebody else that absolutely needs whatever they need before you are doing whatever you're doing, you know? Yeah, all the time. You kind of get used to eating lukewarm food because you have to like heat up food and then by the time you make your kids plates and you cut their stuff up and you get them set down, like your food's fucking cold, you know? Yeah. So Carter, I feel like Carter's reaction to this huge bombshell is normal is it a little douchey like yeah but is it i feel like it's an acceptable reaction because he just dips he's like no i need to think i need space i need time and i feel like that's an acceptable thing to ask for you know i would imagine that it's a huge betrayal because you're just meeting this girl you're starting to date you're starting to get to know each other and she's been lying to you this whole time Mm -hmm. and it's not a little lie like I think it would have been a smaller lie for her to actually have a secret family you know with someone else than for her to have his freaking child and not tell him like that that lie is so enormous that I, I don't blame him for just kind of needing time away to process that. I mean, when would it have been the right time to tell him? Like, if she couldn't get a hold of him in college, like, after they met, when would have been the appropriate time to tell him? Well, see, here's the thing. I understand not telling him that first night at the bar. Mm -hmm. I mean, she went this long without him. It's fine. This is one night. He's going to be gone. She's never going to see him again. Except she saw him again. Then they started connecting and then they started talking and then they they're basically started dating. Yeah. And so I think the right time to tell him would have been basically when they started talking on the phone. OK, because I think that would have been a good time for her for her to be able to break the news in, in a way that he'd be able to process, which would be like on the phone. Like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but like we hooked up in college. Yeah. Uh, I felt kind of weird about telling you this. 
And then he would have been like, no shit, that was you. And then she could be like, also, you have a baby. And then it'd be like, dial tone. (laughs) The person you were calling is no longer accepting voicemails. Uh, the voicemail box is full. Um, but you know, I think there was a little selfishness on Claire's part because she was trying to enjoy this pure relationship with no strings attached before telling him. Because I think she was really enjoying the fact that he genuinely liked her and wanted to be with her. Yes. Even though he didn't know that she was his baby mama yeah no i for sure i definitely think that they that she should have told him sooner but i cannot for the life of me figure out when the right time would have been so like do i think she should have told him sooner yes um do i blame her for not telling him like kind of but also like girl i get it you know (laughs) but carter needs space and she doesn't talk to him for a few days when she finally does talk to him, you know, she, it is, he's like, I have a kid. Like, what the fuck? Like, you know, like he has questions, obviously. Yeah. After Carter and Claire talk, he is like, Hey, I really think that I'd like to spend some time with Gavin, like alone. Like, I think that yeah. I would like to spend time, some time with him and get to know him. And she's like, okay, sure. As luck would have it, he gets that opportunity that night. Um, her dad gets called into work and she's like, it's your lucky day, Carter. You get to, yeah, you know, you get to watch Gavin. Yeah. And Claire is really concerned because she's like, dude, my kid is fucking crazy. When I tell you I am really, I am concerned by this child. <laughs> That's just the cursing like a sailor is one thing. But the kid, I think he's planning a murder of some sort. Like he strikes me as like, a, you know, Stewie from Family Guy. Yeah, like he's like Stewie from Family Guy. Yes, he's up to no good. <laughs> he is, and you know Claire is obviously like super concerned the whole time she's away. She's texting Carter, and he's like, "Girl, don't worry, we're fine. Just doing cocaine, you know." Like it's, <laughs> and you know Claire's just like, "What?" And he's like, "Dude, I'm fucking kidding. Like he's asleep." It's really cute too because at one point Carter takes his kid his four-year-old on his lap and he's he describes like this kind of this moment where he just realizes that he loves this kid like he barely like yeah because he's like i barely know this kid and i i love him and i'm like yeah dude that's exactly how it works when you have a kid it's like you don't know them like they just come out of you and you're like who are you sir and also i love you give me a hug yeah really So, you know, Claire is obviously, um, you know, she's kind of in, like, this, like, weird haze of, like, a new slash old slash new relationship. I don't know. She feels really giddy to me about this. You know, like, nervous and giddy and excited. Yeah. Well, so here we are. You know, Carter finally knows that he has a kid. And, of course, he freaks out at first. But then he embraces it. Yeah. And then him and Claire are... You know, their relationship is going really, really well. Um, And things are looking up for Claire. You know, things are looking up for her. She's about to open up her store. Remember, this is the store where she's baking on one side. And then she and her friend is selling sex toys in the other. Yes. Claire and Carter are in the bakery. And, you know, they're getting down. They're doing that, you know, like... 
dirty kitchen sex, only it's like a business, which makes it like weird. But okay, cool, 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 cool. Could I listen? I just I don't think it's too much to ask for me uh, to not want a ball sack next to where the cookies I'm about to eat get rolled out. Why are you so needy? (laughs) Am I being a hysterical woman right now? (laughs) No, I get it. I just don't want a dick by my cookie dough. In all probability, there have probably been so many balls of dicks next to your food that you know nothing about. No, I don't want to hear this. Claire and Carter are they're getting down and dirty mm-hmm. at her store that she's that is about to have its grand opening. They get interrupted, okay? And at first you think they're getting interrupted by her fr- best friend Liz who shares a storefront with them. It's cool if she sees them boning. Yes, maybe, but Liz is accompanied by a live news anchor <laughs> on TV like like a cameraman, a cameraman and a news anchor, they're doing a live segment on the store. The cameraman trips and the camera goes flying in the air. And it's just like this chaotic scene and it's all being captured live. Uh-huh. Girl, I just... It's a hot mess. It's a hot mess. But I just, you know, I think Claire thinks this is it. This is the end of my store. I mean, I would think that. Oh, for sure. But, for sure. But somehow... When the grand opening happens, which I think might be like very soon after this mm-hmm. debacle, there's a line out the door because people are like, give me them cookies that you give me the make on that cookies. Give me them ball sack <laughs> cookies, girl. That- Why is it salty? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're like, mm, I saw that boy you have. I'll pay for cookies that his balls are on. Like, I guess what it is, is like there's no there's no bad publicity, as they say. The fact that this bakery is attached to a sex toy shop and then the owner of the bakery was caught having sex on live TV. It just it goes together. It goes together. It's fine. It just somehow it just it creates an entire narrative of like, holy shit, like you need these cookies. Yeah, these cookies are so good. They're going to make you horny. And then there's a sex store right next door. But you're not even going to make it over there. You're going to be right on the counter of the bakery. That's fucking disgusting. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, listen, do I want to know about it? No. Am I sure that I've eaten some sort of, like, ball food? Yes. No, Courtney. No. I don't want to eat ball food, but I'm sure I have eaten ball food. I don't know. You sound really at peace with the fact that a pair of balls have been in the vicinity of the food that you eat. Balls have been. Ugh, I just don't want them anywhere near my food. I, is that too much to ask? Back to our regularly scheduled program that does not include penises in food, on food, near food, or ball food. <laughs> Despite like what Claire thought was going to be a huge disaster, yeah, the opening does really well. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And like, I feel like Claire just gets like the epitome of unhappy ending at this point because she gets, you know, her baby daddy, her business, you know, her son is getting, you know, to get, he's getting to know his father. She has, you know, like this great relationship with her best friend. I mean, it is amazing. I know. She has the best life. She, I mean, despite the rough start, yeah, she has a really good life. And that's really where the book leaves us here. Yeah, I'm not mad at it. Do you know what I really enjoyed about this book Mm -hmm. is that I feel like usually books cut us off right when things start getting good. The book is like, that's enough. 
you've seen enough. And I'm like, hold on a second. I just read 300 pages of this person's suffering. And you're going to give me four pages of the happily ever after? Like, I want more. I want an epilogue, a post-epilogue, and a post-post-epilogue. God damn it. I want to read the diary entries of the main character's great-great-grandchildren. I want to know the legacy of happiness that happens. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I really love you know what I, mean? I really love books that have like a like a 5 years later, 2 years later epilogue just to give me that, that peace and closure, you know? This book is actually being turned into a movie by Passionflix and it is going Ooh. and it is released on October 28th, 2021. So by the time this releases, that oh, movie will wow, be out. Cool. That's awesome. All right, guys. Looks like the teapot is empty for today. More tea is brewing and on the way. We'll be back next week with Mr. Wright. It is a movie on Netflix starring Anna Kendrick. Oh, snap. Yeah. I'm, okay. I like Anna Kendrick. I love Anna Kendrick. I don't think I've ever seen her as the lead in a romantic. Is it a comedy? Yeah. I have no idea what it's about, but I'm excited to watch it. (laughs) I don't know what it's about either. So we're going to find out together. Cool, 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 (laughs) cool. As always, thank you for listening. Please feel free to check out our show notes to get more information on the books and the movies that we talk about. If you liked our podcast, please leave a review and share with a friend. Yeah, this is your weekly or bi-weekly reminder to text your friend back because you forgot to text her back and send her this podcast while you're at it. We'll see you next week. Vagina Hand is always watching. If you know, you know. But you gotta read the book so you know. If you don't read the book, you won't know. You'll never know. But you will (laughs) still be able to eat Arby's. (laughs) 